Are you ready to live your best life, be stronger, and fall in love with yourself? It's possible, and it's inside you, but you need to unlock the power within. Welcome to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. Jody used to be afraid to take risks. It took some stepping out of her comfort zone to get her there. Along with her guests and their stories, Jody will help you to live your best life ever. Now, here's your host, Jody Harrison Bauer. Hello, everybody. Happy Thursday. I have to, I, I, I don't know why. I'm just completely happy on Thursdays because I get to do this show and I'm just mm. thrilled. So it's been crazy here. The weather's been crazy here. It is raining. I'm okay with a rainy day. It kind of feels nice and fuzzy and you could get a lot done on a rainy day. Um, I want to thank everybody who's been listening to us from around the world, more listeners every single week. And I am so greatly appreciative of you listening in, sharing the show, uh, sharing the podcast. I'm just so grateful that we could educate, empower, and inspire. And that's what this is all about, is for people to share their stories of, of taking risks, feeling empowered, and then hopefully inspiring others, whether it's in business or personally. And so before I introduce my guests today, I have two beautiful women here as my guests. And, you know, as a mom, and one of them is a mom, uh, we always dream about, oh, our children are just going to get along so well. They're going to cheer each other on. They're going to uh, maybe be a little competitive, but at the end of the day, they're going to cheer each other on. And I know for me, you know, my daughters are almost four years apart. I wanted them to be best friends. And I wanted them to maybe, maybe go into business together. And wouldn't life just be perfect? But guess what? It doesn't always happen that way. But in this case, it did. And I would love to introduce my guest today, Samantha and Morgan Elias of the Vintage Twin. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. I'm happy to have you. Thank you so much. I know you're super busy. I want to just give a little intro as to what your background is, and then we're going to get right into it. Samantha and Morgan are twins. They are not identical twins. They are the <laughs> co-founders of the Vintage Twin as creators of the world's first vintage brand created with giving new life to existing designs. Their mission is to make it easy to buy stuff that makes you feel good. And I love that because we all want to find stuff that makes us feel good, feels good against our skin. So this is a big story. Uh, it started 10 years ago, and I'd love for you to share with everybody how it started so who wants to go first, Samantha or Morgan? Uh, so we, <laughs> it's Morgan. This is Morgan. Yeah. Um, we grew up on Long Island in our mother's house with no exposure really to vintage or any thrift of any kind. Yeah. And then I, I, I would say I always had an interest in fashion. I grew up like working in my family friend's boutique. Um, and she always had like seamstresses upstairs who were reworking things and making custom designs for people. So I think I got a sense for being able to reimagine things from that. Um, and then I went off to the University of Michigan to study business and sustainability about 11 years ago. And when I got there, 
I made some friends who are not from the tri-state area and thrifting was definitely a big part of the culture. And they, sorry, that's my son who just woke up from his nap. Hey, it's real real life here. Um, Actually, Liv is is taking care of him right now, who was on your podcast a few weeks ago. Yes. Um, Yeah, so I discovered vintage. And to me, I saw nothing but like tremendous opportunity. There, I... I just didn't like it was really where fashion and sustainability and business met for me because I knew that there was just nothing but opportunity to, I I mean, really I'm a business person at heart and like the ability to, find things that are super low price and then do something little to them and then sell them at a much higher price that's still pretty affordable and accessible to people was really exciting to me. And the whole thing happened really organically. I got back, um, I came back to New York City that summer after my first year at school and I was wearing pretty much exclusively vintage and people stopped me everywhere I went. They said, where did you get that? But it wasn't like one time or two times in a day. It was 10 times a day. The attention was literally too much to ignore. Um, and we didn't. Uh, we said there's got to be something here. Um, and, and was it was vintage? So vintage was never like in your wheelhouse before. before or were you, it, it was just like vintage didn't pop up in your brain ever before you went to school in the Midwest literally didn't know what it meant. Maybe I knew what it meant. Maybe I like, but we had never been thrifting or to a thrift store or to a Salvation Army ever. Right. Right. Same thing with me. And I know that I'm like your mom's age, uh, but, or wherever. Anyway, uh, but the same thing with me and my younger sister, who's five years younger than me, uh, she shopped at the Salvation Army. And now this is so I'm going to be 60 at the end of the year. So my sister is going to be 55. So it was weird, like back in the 70s. I don't know if it was cool back then. We thought she was weird um, because she was thrifting. And we're like, we didn't know it was called thrifting. And we thought, why are you shopping in these stores when you don't, quote unquote, need to? Like we have enough money for you to shop and buy new clothes. So did you sort of have that mentality before you left for college? Look, it's funny. I'll never forget. I came back from college and literally everything I was wearing was vintage and I'm sitting in my mom's closet and I see like this like red patent leather Louis Vuitton bag, like this little bag that she bought 20 years ago and literally never touched. So mom, can I please have that bag? You know, you, you never wear it. And she said, I will give you this bag on one condition that you never wear another vintage purse again. It's gross. And I said, okay. But to me, that's like the perfect way to encapsulate our upbringing and where we came from. And just because the general understanding of vintage in, it's just like in our mother's gra- mind. It's like old grandma gross. Right. In, in our mother's mind and in so many people's mind now, like, so brands like Redone that are all over celebrities when they were actually doing vintage have kind of helped combat that stigma. Um, but, you know, what got us thinking more strategically and like bigger picture was um, I started selling to girls like out of my closet. 
literally like out of my dorm room and then out of my living room. And all along I was selling to who I call. And I think I like have license to call it, call them this because it's like my upbringing. They were basic bitches. Right. And you know, these are your shop up and revolve and Bloomingdale's even Zara customers who also have never shopped vintage and were not brought up shopping vintage. And if you took them to a vintage store, not only would they probably be grossed out, but they would say like, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed. This is so not for me. And I don't even know how you look through this stuff. Right. right? And by the way, it is really overwhelming. Like yes. we're used to going to stores with, and with our hands tied behind our back, just using our eyes, we could see everything there is for sale. But in a vintage store, you need to go hanger by hanger. Um, so I used like my experience growing up in that boutique and really like styling people to style these girls. And they didn't touch the clothes. Like I said, I think this would be really cute for you. Maybe I pulled out three things. They agreed, they tried it on and that's why they were buying. But the reason they even came is not because it was vintage. It's because it was the vintage twin, right? And that's what led us to realize that if you can effectively blur the lines between retail and resale, then you can welcome a group of consumers into the space who never otherwise would have considered it. So I've heard you say that before in other interviews. Yeah. That people came to you not because it was vintage, but it was the vintage twin. Right. So how did you brand yourself so quickly into this business that you felt had a huge niche and- right. You saw the business opportunities. You saw, you knew that you right. can style people. So you saw where you can fit into that, that area really, really well. So how did you brand yourself so quickly into it? Well, we literally started branding. We okay. said like, okay, we want to play the same game, right? We want to play in the same arena. We're fighting for closet space and wallet share. Like, we need to speak to the consumers we want in the way they're used to being spoken to. And the way they're used to shopping, which in Soho is with their hands tied behind their back and they could see every single piece, you know, perfectly displayed. And, and really in Soho or however they're shopping, whether it's Shop Up or Revolve, they're going to their favorite brands. Like people love brands because it makes shopping simpler. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I'm so that person and I'm so I was that woman who went into a store with my two daughters and we went into the fitting room and said, find us clothes. Right. Right. Like, because I didn't want to deal with the overwhelming. I can't shop in big department stores because I get overwhelmed. So boutique, but then in the small boutiques, it's still overwhelming. So they would know our. So, yeah, I always wanted to have somebody like you helping me and my daughters. But what helps simplify it is brands, right? Because if you are in a department store by yourself, if you're in Bloomingdale's, you're going to go to the joie section, right? Like the little shop and shop. You're going to go to the theory section because you know that typically they have things you're going to like. That's what we're doing for the world of vintage. We're really just filtering down. We're giving you the creme de la creme. We're giving men and women a brand that they can obsess over, like they obsess over other brands, a brand to love and follow and trust. So right away, you felt that this was, you're like, wow, people are following us. We're the vintage twin. This is a brand that we can build upon. 
So after you were, you were selling out of your dorm room, how did you and Morgan come together? Because you didn't go to college together. Morgan, you were at Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Northeastern. Northwestern's definitely a better school. And I so appreciate your confidence in my <laughs> intelligence. Um, but yeah, it was pretty much, I came back for a uh, summer. We both came back for a summer after a semester and, you know, maybe our very first sale outside of mom's basement uh, was a two or three day sale midtown, you know, on a third or floor, third or fourth floor space in, uh, so- somewhere we never would do it. It was a loft now. on 34th <laughs> street and we right. called it a trunk show at the time. Love um, it. like now technically that's a pop-up shop and we basically created the pop-up shop model in New York city. Um, we started with really short-term rentals, two days at a time, five days, then it was one week out of the month, then two, two weeks. weeks. And, you know, it grew really organically like that. But yeah, A month, two before, months, three months, right. and now we've been in the Broadway store, what, three years? Yeah, but before we moved back to New York to start that model, Morgan especially was always really confident that, like, the future of this business and all businesses was online. And I, as a business student, had my reservations saying it's really expensive to list and photograph and measure one item at a time. And it's true. It is. And this is why this hasn't been done before. Right. And this is why Nasty Gal tried and failed, because unless you have the right technology that solves this problem of it, of the unit economics being so challenging, you you just crush So you were more focused on, and I understand this. I mean, even with my fitness studio, I remember thinking I I should really go online. And this was 10 years ago when I opened up my fitness studio. I really should offer online. But back then, the technology wasn't anything like it is now. And it's overwhelming. And who do you you choose? What pictures? And it's a lot. It's a lot to put out there. So did you just decide to, after, after selling out of your dorm room, Give me the the chronological order of how things happened. You graduated from college. Okay, so after selling in my dorm room, we came back. We did our first trunk show on 34th Street in a loft, came back to school that next semester. And I said, Morgan, I'm opening a store. And she said, you're insane. You're in business school. You can't open a store. And I said, okay, well, I'm not letting girls shopping shop out of my closet. I'm alone. Like I live alone now. It's not safe. And guys want to shop too. Um, so we opened a small store, then we opened a bigger store, and Morgan was there for all the openings. And I graduated a semester early, and at that point, all of my business school peers were getting their jobs at McKinsey and on Wall Street, and I was not. I was, I had a living, breathing You business. were already in business. Yeah, I had a living, breathing business, and we looked at the landscape online, and there was no online destination mm-hmm. for cool vintage t-shirts and sweatshirts. There's eBay and Etsy, but we all know that your quote unquote basic bitch consumer is never going to go shopping on eBay and Etsy. So it has always been our vision to be harder to shop eBay and Etsy than it is the regular thrift. And if they're not shopping regular thrift, they're definitely not going on eBay or Etsy. Right. So So do you, do you find that for women your age? Cause I know for some people my age, I'm it's overwhelming to, to, I've never shopped on eBay or Etsy because I like, forget it, like too much stuff. And you don't know who to trust. Look, right. we've, 
the vision has always been be an online destination where consumers can trust that they're going to find reliably cool premium vintage. Um, so in order to start to tackle that, we said, okay, we need to focus and we need to build an online business. So Morgan um, left college because she was in a five-year program and not loving it. Um, I'd already done like two and a half of the years and I was, I had moved out to Michigan already to help open our warehouse out there after the two stores and I was ready to start working. So, okay. um, so we were living in Michigan together and we invested all our life savings and we thought we were going to build this website and launch it in six months. And nine months later, we were out our life savings. The company screwed us and we had no website. So we moved back to New York. Um, our dad, after a, quite a bit of begging from us, gave us a really large corner in a very old dusty warehouse of his, um, where we still are today. And it's only slightly less dusty. Um, <laughs> but that's when we started doing the pop-up shops because we were just doing it. We needed to earn money again, A, to like stay alive and B, to uh, invest in the website. So where did you get this idea? Nobody had ever thought of a pop-up shop 10 years ago. It was or maybe cool. it was a very, very new idea. So where did you, where did you have <laughs> the guts, the, the lack of fear, the, the belief yeah. in yourself to yeah. say, we're going we're gonna to open up a pop-up shop for one week, two months, whatever? Look, it was, I can't tell you what it was like going to these landlords, these billionaire landlords and asking for like a five day license agreement. They were literally trying to get a minimum of, of a five year lease. But I did, I was able to convince one person to do it. And then I got another person to do it. And then you start dropping names. And then after a couple years, it was very obviously becoming common practice. Um, and the landlords figured out they'd rather rent for something. They'd rather collect something for the month rather than nothing. And they were sitting on these vacant stores right. more and more. And not all landlords will do it even today, but for a, a lot, see the value. And that was our job. To, uh, so that, that led you to open up the other stores that you had. So right. you ended so up pop -up opening up pumps. Right. The pop-up shops turned into permanent stores. And then a, then it was one permanent store and one pop-up. And then the that second pop-up turned into a permanent store. The whole thing was really quite organic. I mean, we, to, be, to do like our first sale in my mom's basement, we just used like our, our savings from after school jobs and and then anything we made going forward went right back into the business so right. that we could save for the website. Right. The whole thing has been totally self-funded, which I was in a funky time in business school because they did not teach me that businesses are built with venture capital. If I could go back and go to business school again, I would insist that every day of every class is how do you raise money from venture capitalists? I think that's really interesting because I agree with you. I think that you probably had the mindset of 10 years ago, right? Is that the, the time frame 10 yeah. years ago? So 10 years ago when you were what, 21 years old? Right. Like, yeah, 20. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you thought, we're going to do this ourselves. We do not need help from anybody. We do not need yeah. angel investors. We do not need cap capital 
venturists coming in and helping us. We want to own this 100%. We're going to do it ourselves. And now the way to go is different, right? It, it's right. It's not just that. Mm-hmm. Like what you, it, it wasn't just a pride thing, right? It's that that's not what I learned. I learned okay. that you needed to build a profitable business, not that you needed to pump up your top line revenue as much as possible. So like the, that's what you see today with these brands, with Glossier and Casper and Away. These are not necessarily profitable businesses. They're far from profitable, and yet they're so highly valued. And that's the business world we're living in today. But those companies, like, sure, maybe one day they were built to be profitable, but literally not in the foreseeable future. Um, so like going back, I just wish I understood more that the other thing is like when you go into a Glossier store and it's so gorgeous and everyone's in their pink jumpsuits and there's so many people in staff and the wallpaper is custom wallpaper, just every inch of it is so awesome. Obviously it takes a lot of money to do that. But the consumer doesn't understand that, right? The consumer just has a new standard for what is cool and what makes a cool store and a beautiful store. They don't understand that Glossy has raised $350 million in venture capital, right. maybe more mm-hmm. at this point, right? And when you're in right. a cool store that looks like a hotel, it's so gorgeous, you're, you've justified spending the money you're going to spend. And, and that just becomes even as far as the posts they put on Instagram, like it costs so much money to make videos that beautiful. And the consumer really doesn't understand that. So it becomes impossible to compete organically. So we literally opened the store across from Glossier and we were like, oh, this is perfect. All the girls are going to come right across the street. Our store looked like a garage. Right. It happened to have been not our best store for, by a long shot. And it was not as simple as we thought, you know, all the traffic from there will, will come to here. And the bottom line is people still, whether they're shopping secondhand or not, they still have an appreciation and value for beautiful things and, and a, a, and a beautiful, beautiful environment. Yeah. Right. Right. And don't we all, we all want to be in a right. beautiful environment, but we also want to be in a place where we feel it's real. So how did you differentiate yourself? So you're competing with beauty, beauty beyond beauty, lots, a a shit ton of money. And, and you're like, we can't compete. We have to be true to ourselves. And I think that's, that's what I always have to go back and think about with, with everything in life is that you've got to be true to yourself. This is not who we are. Yes. Would we like to have this gorgeous store? Yes. But that's not who we are. We are about the brand. We're about styling. Did you, how did you deal with that? Well, it's interesting because we didn't say that's not who we are. We said, wait a minute, like why this is a fundamentally great business with great margins. It's a business of the future. It's sustainable at its core. Uh, It's trending. Like we check all the boxes. We should be able to be that beautiful. Let's go. Let's raise venture capital. Let's do this right. Like let's build a brand the same way everyone else is. And that's what we're doing now in the interim. Absolutely. We're being true to ourselves and our roots. We're focused on service in our stores always and online. Like we believe completely in 
personalization. Um, and that's and, and that's really how people got to know you was the personalization exactly. and your and th- that's what I want to ask you. How did people find you? I know that it's it sounds like Morgan is more of the um, online uh, social media person. Samantha, you're more of the business, the products. And do I have that right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, our skill sets definitely are in totally different realms, um, but they complement one another. Um, Morgan built an awesome social media following. You know, we, it it went from people were admiring how fearlessly authentic we were because we were these two young hustling girls that weren't professing to have the Taj Mahal of stores, but we were professing to have cool, cool shit. And we did. Yeah. And people loved, they didn't really care what the environment was like. They were coming for the goods and eventually they came for the environment. It was a feel good stop by, you know, like, and we got very, I want to say lucky, but also. Look, uh, it was lucky and strategic. We had big celebrities walk into the store and Morgan. And they were around our age and we made friends and, uh, you know, they were supporting us out of their own goodwill. And this was at a time when, you know, people are now paid hundreds of millions, God knows, for Instagram posts from this one and that one. But right. This was really before the influencer economy when people, but even today, a lot of these girls are just willing to out of their own good nature and goodwill. They want to support fellow, you know, peers who are hustling and working hard and doing something that matters. Right. Do you feel, that the the celebrity, do you feel like the celebrity influence definitely helped your business that if you saw somebody like yes. um, the Hadid sisters wearing your stuff like Absolutely. that? And then in terms of Instagram in general, uh, I mean, we were a traveling store essentially for a while. And so people weren't familiar with that. And then we had this instantaneous means of relaying where we were and show, you know, with pictures and whatnot included. And uh, that was a huge move for us. Without Instagram, I don't think we would have been able to. No, our business model would not have been possible without Instagram. Yeah. No, social media, social media is huge. So that's where, that's where the skill set came in. And that was that easily, did you figure that out right from the beginning? Like, this is what you can do. At the very beginning. Yeah. Literally from when we had the idea to make our first sale in my mom's basement, like Morgan was responsible for making the Facebook event. You know, pre-Instagram. Right. The pre-Instagram, we were doing Facebook events. It was like ridiculous. So we always made the most of what social had to offer. Yeah. I I think that's the beauty in the two of you. And when we come back from our break, we're going to talk about how we've pivoted since we've been quarantined, since COVID has been around for now almost six months. Um, What's changed in your business? Being the mother of two, Morgan, not you, Samantha, mother of two, Morgan, newly engaged. We'll talk about all that when we come back. So hang in there with us, guys. We'll be back in a few minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcasts. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency Podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. On Fearlessly Authentic, Jody talks about mental and physical well-being, and the key to both starts with proper nutrition. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan was created to help your body feel better. Whether your goal is to lose weight, gain muscle, or just feel lighter and more energetic, Following this meal plan can help you get there. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a 21-day plan to help you learn the most important things about the food we eat and what foods are right for you based on your goals and activity level. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a real plan for real life. This is not a diet, but a change in lifestyle. The plan is simple and easy for you to follow. In the 21-day plan, you will receive meal ideas, snack ideas, a grocery list, and a 21-day journal crucial to your success with inspirational quotes to keep you motivated and keep track of your progress. The key to success is commitment, consistency, and willpower. Be fearless and trust the journey. Go to JodyFit.com to purchase the JodyFit meal plan now and use the promo code PODCAST to get 25% off. Caramax, a place to glow, offers a wide range of services performed by licensed professionals. Their most coveted service offered is their luxury custom airbrush spray tans. Cara's spray tans are 100% gluten, paraben, and sulfate free. So you guys, this stuff is super safe for you. Every client receives a full consultation prior to their appointment in order to ensure flawless, long-lasting results. All of their spray tans and products produce the perfect glowy natural tan. Go to caramax.com today and use the promo code JHB when booking to receive 10% off your service. That's caramax.com, K-A-R-A-M-A-C-S.com. Or you can find Kara on Instagram at kara.max. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at voiceamericaempowerment.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or comments you may have. Send an email to info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. That's info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. Now, back to Fearlessly Authentic. Hey, everybody. Thank you for hanging out with us during the break. We are back with Morgan and Samantha of the Vintage Twin. And so much has changed in our lives since March, since we went into quarantine, since COVID, since everything. 
And tell me what has changed for the vintage twin. Do you have a new mission statement? Do you have a new outlook? How have you pivoted? All of those things. What has changed in your business? Yeah, so it's been interesting because we have always wanted to be, you know, the online destination for cool vintage shit, um, colloquially. But um, this was like a hard pivot, right? We had to close our store and all of a sudden it's like, be careful what you wish for. We finally had the opportunity to focus all our efforts online. Um, And we did. And our online business grew tremendously um, over these last several months, which was great. But we also had the opportunity to do like a lot of branding exercises and branding work because especially when you're online, like all the messaging is so important. And it, so like through all this introspection, we really said like our goal is still the same as it was when we started, right? We want to make it easy to buy stuff that makes you feel good. And that's what we were doing, selling to these girls out of our closet. Like it makes you feel good because you're going to get compliments, the girls will come back to me and say, Samantha, you have no idea how many compliments I got. And I say, no, I do. Like, that's why we started this business. There was literally too much attention to ignore. And not only feeling good from the compliments, but, you know, we're offering people a sustainable shopping option, whereas shopping, you know, regular brands and most brands, you're unfortunately contributing to the harmful mass production of new goods. Right. So, so it's not just a feel good. Right. So it's on one end, Oh, I'm wearing something nobody else has. I'm also changing my lifestyle. Right. And changing the way I shop so that it feels good. And I know that I'm not contributing to a lot of social and environmental harm that comes from manufacturing. Um, I so love, I so love that message. I think it's so important before now forever. I think the sustainability is such a huge, huge um, point to make and, um, and people feel good. So people always feel good when they're doing a good thing. And then they get the compliments, which is like the cherry right. on top, right? right it's like exactly. you're getting, you're, you're walking to it. You're going to a party, you're going to a friend's house and like, where the hell did you get that? And the vintage twin. And that's, what's so cool about what you do. There's so many great aspects of the business. And obviously you knew that when you started it. Right. I think for us though, it's really about how it makes people feel like when someone says, where did you get that? That's a compliment. Like that's really, you could change someone's day by saying that. You know, you really give them a sense of confidence. And I think especially in the age of social media, like there's really nothing more valuable than that it is. And especially as women is our, our level of confidence. And I think if we can help people boost that confidence with the clothes that they wear, because they have to wear clothes, that's a really awesome opportunity. And, you know, hopefully one day, the sustainability aspect is more important to more people, but until it is, there is other great merits, like the fact that it attracts compliments, right? Um, Do you feel, I'm going to ask you a fashion question and then we'll go back to what's changed in your business. Don't you feel that women dress for other women? Men don't understand that, but I think I've always felt that women dress like when they're going to a party, they don't care that John or, or, 
or Sam over there is going to say, wow, you look great. They care about their girlfriend saying, I love that outfit. Where did you get it? Right. And it's funny because there it's like internally, we call it like this winning feeling. Cause if someone says, Oh my God, where'd you get that? And you say, Oh, it's rag and bone. That's not really a win because they can go on their phone and then order the same thing. But if you say it's vintage twin, that means there's only one of it. And now you have something that they want and can't have. So that's winning, right? I agree. I want something from you guys. I need to get something. So we'll figure, we'll figure that out at another time, but uh, yeah. Look, I think ultimately where our passion lies in all of this for so many reasons for, because we believe in like self image and we think giving people confidence is important. And then of course the sustainability aspect, we, the, the grand plan is to make the world want to buy everything vintage. And and then not only that, but really understand why they should feel good about it. Understand why sustainability is important. And a lot of people don't understand how vintage is sustainable. They so don't do you even, ex- yeah. Is that part of the, so when people would come into your store, the stores are closed now, right? We just reopened about a month ago. Okay, congratulations. I didn't Thanks. know that. So how does it feel to be in the store? And then what, how, how else are you driving business? What's going on with, with that? Look, so the store is open traffic, like foot traffic is down 80%. Thankfully business is not down 80%, but obviously it's not where it was. Um, And online we're marketing for the first time. We're spending marketing dollars and we're out there. We're uh, doing the fundraising route. You know, we're talking to investors and selling the dream. I love that. So you're doing, so you're doing that. And yeah. how does it feel doing that? Do you, does it feel like the right thing for you now? Oh, it definitely feels like the right thing because there's so many pieces required in order to like be able to handle the growth that comes mm-hmm. with like millions of dollars in an advertising budget. It's like, how do you scale the business, especially for a vintage business? You need the supply chain on lock. And it's really challenging in the world of vintage. You need the technology like I described. And then you need the brand power. And I really think it's taken every bit of the last 11 years to get those things to a place where they can handle the growth that we're about to see. Right. And it came to a point where we exhausted ourselves and all opportunities that we came by where it just got to a point where we couldn't grow without raising money. Yeah. You, you can't, you literally cannot compete like on Google and Facebook because you're just being outspent. And that's right. I completely, I completely understand that. So what has it, been like, you just had a baby in July, your second child, Samantha, right? It was July? Uh, June 1st. June hmm. 1st. Okay. Yeah. I don't think we, I think we originally, we talked in July maybe because you were like, cut, finally came up for air a little bit. Yeah. So what was it like when you first had your son a few years ago, yeah. being in the business, running the business, being a young mom, now you have two children. What's that like with, with COVID and everything? Explain to us what life is like 
Okay. So Morgan and I are the youngest two of four girls and we had a nanny growing up. Um, and she's an amazing woman. She's part of our family. She moved me into college. She taught me how to drive. I mean, really part of our family. And now she is the nanny for me and my kids. So that like people say, how's motherhood? I always start there because it's such a critically important piece of the puzzle. I'm only able to work the way I work because I have the right support. That's Um, great. Yeah. So that's for sure a priority. My husband is also extremely hands-on, which is critical. Look, being pregnant during COVID was... um, and also like losing 90% of our revenue during that time was very scary and stressful. Um, I had to let go of employees who have been with us for years and years, which was super challenging. And like, we were emotionally just distraught, but like other businesses, we just didn't have a choice. Um, And yeah. And then just, I mean, I didn't take a maternity leave the first time, really. I think I I stayed home for about three weeks, but I was working remotely. Um, and then I started going back in. But this time, literally like a week later, I was back in my warehouse. And it's just because like there was just no option. <laughs> if you were my daughter, I would have thought that probably you would have gone into early um um, why can't I think of the word? You would have the baby early. Yeah, labor. Yeah, because of the stress and anxiety. I mean, the anxiety level. I mean, you've, you're carrying this child. You have a little baby. Your husband yeah. works. Thank goodness you have this nanny. You have your sister that you can rely on. I, I mean, you must have felt like, wow, could anything more happen to me? Like, I just want this baby to come out healthy and beautiful. And, you know. Look, I'll be honest. I was pretty good at managing the stress. And I think when you're a business owner for this long and you go through so many hills and valleys, you get really good at that. And you either believe it's going to work out and the vision is going to come true or it's not. Um, And I really do believe that it's going to work and the time is now. So I think I was just taking it one day at a time. And that's certainly what we're doing now. I mean, Della, my daughter is three months old now. And um, yeah, I mean, work life looks very different. It's quite challenging to work from home. Um, And I'm not always home, but the majority of the time I am. And it's challenging. It's like, do you sit in the living room so at least I can see my kids and they can see me, but my nose is in the computer? Or do I lock myself in a bedroom so they can't see me at all? And how did, and, and how did, Morgan, how did your role play with with Samantha taking a week off after she had <laughs> I mean where did you fit in with all of this well in terms of the pregnancy slash second child arrival mm-hmm. um it wasn't too crazy uh given Samantha doesn't really take time off so she'll be like nursing or uh, you know or still on maternity leave there was never really a maternity leave. She doesn't really leave. So she just kind of, uh, you know, maybe there was like actually a week after the birth that she laid low. But, you know, after that, things were kind of back to normal in the way that it's the new normal. We're both working from home. 
which is just so odd. And, you know, it's been, yeah. it's definitely been weird and new and we're, uh, but I'll say like Morgan has, you know, if I have a meeting or something, I'm, you know, business oriented in a way that Morgan is not. So like when we're building a financial model or going over an investor deck, like I'll watch just, the kids while right, she like Morgan is supportive in that way too, which is, I mean, my kids absolutely adore Morgan and she's like a baby whisperer. So that's also, it. you know, it sounds like, do you think that uh, having all of this happen, you know, you were so busy 11 years ago, you start your go, 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 go. Samantha, you get married, Morgan, you're living the life and uh, you know, you're, you're styling famous people and everything. And then this happens. Do you, I always try to find the silver lining and everything. Do you see right. any silver lining from this at all? Um, I kind of do in that it, it gave us the time to slow down long enough we realized before the pandemic a year before that we needed to raise money. Um, and that we needed to focus online. Right. So, and this really just gave us the opportunity to do that, to make the pivot. Right. Like to, to set up our retail store in a way that it's self-sustaining to hire the right managers and the right employees so that right up until six months ago, you know, Samantha and I were still crawling in and out of, uh, of the, the floor at the store, meaning the back room was used for very small office space. And look, it still requires our attention for sure. Absolutely. But we were, hands-on actually in the store working the registers and picking up shifts that people were right and bailing on up until a year ago so you know it's been a very unique opportunity for us to have to slow down and really focus on what we've been working at all along which is this online takeover I think a lot of people feel that way. I know I did when I was told I had to close my fitness studio. I thought, oh, yeah, 14 days, we're going to close, right? That's what it was. Right, right. 14 days, we're going to close. Everybody's going to just say quarantine. I thought, I, I could take it two, two weeks off. That sounds good to me. Right. No one ever And then it was, it. and I remember one of the girls that works for me said, do you think we're going to be open in May. And I said, no, I think it's going to be June. I don't know why I thought that. And then when it was time to open, I thought, I'm so used to being home. Like, how could I've ever gotten this radio show together had I been working at the studio as often as I was? And I had a pivot to online also, which I was putting off, off, off because I knew it was going to be complicated and overwhelming to me. And I think that's what a a lot of people have found that, okay, this gave us the opportunity to breathe. Absolutely. Even though it was really, really sad, everything you knew had you had to let employees go, but it made you sit and re rediscover what you're all about and how do you, oh look at her? We have a little guest oh, here. So we have a three month old Della. There's only one way to make sure she's not. Crying. That's okay. That's okay. She's on the but yeah, I think in general, people's experience through this entire pandemic not that it's anywhere near over necessarily but 
I think a huge up for everybody, no matter what business you're in, is that there was this dire need all of a sudden to, if you didn't have a podcast, you needed a podcast. And if you didn't have enough connection with your online audience, you needed to do whatever you could. That's what it's about, really. I just think it was every company's opportunity to connect. Yes. Yeah. I and love then that. Yes. I, as the said. whole podcast world, you know, blew up, I feel like e- even people who weren't doing it started doing it. And it's just a whole nother avenue of connection. I totally, I love that you use that word connection. That's really important. I think that's what we all kind of regrouped to say, we need to reconnect. How do we, and now we're reconnecting almost in a deeper level, even though you were connecting person to person in your store, but making that connection online, that's, that's a beautiful thing if you can do it. And I don't think everybody can do it. I don't think everybody has that personality to do it, but I think that if you are super authentic in what you're putting out there, that the consumer will feel it and then they'll back you up. They'll want to be there and they'll want to purchase from you. And, and yeah. And, you know, we did that. So it's always been our dream to bring our in-person styling service online. Um, And, you you're seeing it more and more on websites now. Um, now that we have like artificial intelligence technology and machine learning, it's just all becoming more readily available. Um, where basically your shopping experience is personalized to you. Um, and literally 10 years ago, this was our dream because when there's such a big variety of what we sell and in vintage there is, it's like, you can't show your basic girl a NASCAR t-shirt and like think that's going to work. It's not. You need to show the customer what they're likely to buy, which was what I did when the girls were in my dorm room. So it's like, how do you translate that to an online experience? Um, And so we built a styling quiz and we built like a stitch fix without the shipping where you come online, you take a styling quiz And then, you know, we built technology on the back end that through some human touch and technology, we basically show you a collection of things that you're likely to buy. Let's Um, talk about the genius bar. Yeah. Great idea. So this is another piece of technology that we've been working on that we've been able to transfer a little piece of the bar uh, online. So whereas you can't walk up and say, okay, I want blue long jeans. I want white long jeans. I want black shorts. You can send a picture of your waist slash booty clothed area uh, to us and a stylist will get back with. And we'll send you the perfect pair of shorts. And it's been going pretty well. Um, Look, I think as far as like making connections and getting to know people for us, when we put that styling quiz live, we had like 8,000 people fill it out in the first like five weeks. And we weren't even pushing it that hard. So for us, we were literally overwhelmed by the demand and it was just a great proof point to go back out to investors with and say like, there is a demand And we were just authentic with people. We said, we know vintage shopping is hard and we want to make it easier. Like, let us shop for you. 
And that really resonated. Right. We have a big collection and these people are interested. They just need to be handheld a little bit. Right. It's, it's, you know, everything that you're saying, I I, I can't believe that we have to end in four minutes. So I just got the (laughs) four minute mark because we've talked about so many things. And, um, you know, when Samantha had um, her daughter, Della, I wanted to mention that Morgan also got engaged (laughs) to... uh, somebody that I've known since she was 15 days old. Yes, you heard that right, 15 days old. Very maybe small she was, Maybe she was 17 days old. Yeah. Um, but congratulations on your engagement to Olivia Barker. I'm so happy for the two of you. Thank can't, you. We can't wait for the time. wedding. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so at the end of my show, and I'm so I'm like I have to have you guys back because we have to do an update on what oh, happens, fun. what happens next. But uh, Morgan, what does fearlessly authentic mean to you? Fearlessly authentic means living your truth, regardless of anyone else's opinion. Perfect. Yeah. That's that's perfect, Samantha. Um, Tim, yeah, I think it's about just approaching life and business from a really honest, authentic place. And I think whether we're talking to our customers or we're talking to investors, we say like, "Look, we're basic girls. We didn't come from a thrifting background, but." We see a world where vintage, for all of its benefits, for the confidence and the sustainability, matters to more people, and and we we want to be the ones to uh, give it to them. For, yeah, to break it open. And I don't think that any of this would have been possible if you didn't believe that in your true heart. That's yeah. right. If you yeah. weren't if you weren't truly authentically believing that this is something that needs to be done because we see it, we're getting the attention. So we need to listen to our gut and we need to do this. And when Morgan might've said to you, Samantha, what are you crazy? Like we can't open up a store. You're like, Hey, I'm doing it with or without you. Like I'd love for you to come along for the ride, but you were completely fearless. And, and the way the two of you are living your lives, I am, I have so much respect for the two of you and if I were your mom, I'd be very proud of you. I hope you don't take that in a patronizing way. Don't at um, all. We're so grateful. And we so love doing this. This was so fun. Thank you for having us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy lives. Uh, it's been pleasure. such a pleasure. So I'll talk to you soon. And thank you so much. And everybody who's listening, please share this. Um, it will be on my Fearlessly Authentic podcast tomorrow. Please share, subscribe, leave a comment. And thank you for listening, everybody. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Fearlessly Authentic. Please listen again next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and unlock the keys to a more powerful you.